That's right, my friends. The midterm elections are still going from the runoff race that has been declared in Georgia to zero results from the Senate or gubernatorial race in Arizona. Here are some of the biggest wins and losses that came out of last night and an update on which races we need to keep our eye out for as election night leads into election week. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Now, I wasn't giving you guys midterm coverage here live yesterday because I did join Charlie Kirk's show. Uh, it was quite a good time. I was able to, you know, watch in live time as we were seeing all of those results pour in. And to be quite honest with you, it was really overwhelming. This was my first time giving midterm analysis. And uh, I basically put everything that happened last night into layman's terms for you guys. And we're going to focus in on the biggest wins, the biggest losses. And uh, again, what we are seeing post-election night, and uh, what to look out for in 2024, because we have a lot going on, my friends. My eye, of course, on Arizona, where you had Carrie Lake, okay, running against Katie Hobbs. Carrie Lake, arguably one of the strongest candidates in the entire country for the Republican Party, probably behind Ron DeSantis. Yeah, we have zero results as to uh, where where that race is headed. So we're going to be giving you guys live updates on that because the uh, counts are still going on for that. But before we jump into all of that, please remember that this show is funded by you and some of the ways it is funded is via Subscribestar. Now on my Subscribestar, the link is down below. I do put links to every single uh, episode, all of the research, the videos, the articles, that I'm putting up on screen that I am referencing. I put links to all of that on my subscribe store that is free for you guys. So go check that out uh, on that website. Also, um, if you do subscribe, you can get access to direct messaging with me. It's a good way to support the show. I also post behind the scenes stuff uh, where I'm headed next. And I, I, I'm e it's an easier way for me to talk to you guys. Uh, another good way to support the show is, of course, by going to our friends at oldcountrysoap.com and using coupon code SAV, S-A-V, for 20% off of the best soap that money can buy. Now, I swear by this product. I use it every single day. You got the towel. You got the bentonite clay. Uh, American-made product. Amish-made soaps, really. Made on a farm in South Dakota. I swear by this product. I've given it to my friends and family as a gift. And every single person that has used it has give, given me rave reviews. And uh, a lot of the viewers as well who have purchased this product have told me that they absolutely love it. One of the best soaps they have ever used. So uh, check out oldcountrysoap.com. Coupon code SAP for 20% off. Christmas is coming up. If you don't know what to get your mom, dad, sister, brother, get them a great box of American-made chemical-free soap. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into this midterm coverage. And sadly, we were predicting a very big red wave. We were expecting the Republicans to really take hold of the entire country, sweep the House, sweep the Senate. It was supposed to be, again, you know, this blood red moon, huge red wave win. And we really didn't see that last night. However, I'm still very optimistic uh, about where we're currently at. I mean, you know, the wins and some of the losses were not what we were expecting. However, I do still see a positive trajectory for our country. Um, we're going to be going over some of the exit polls and how Americans are feeling about the state of the country, which, you know, we've been giving you the political analysis here for months. So you guys are already aware of this. But again, we're just going to highlight how people feel, which genuinely and just first takeaways after seeing the results of last night, because you guys know that I've been 
on the ground in multiple Democrat-run states in New York, in California, in Oregon. And my heart did break for some of the bigger losses in these states because there are people who genuinely do have common sense living in these states who genuinely just want to be able to live a crime-free life, a life in which they can walk to the store without being, uh, you, you know, afraid of potentially being attacked. They don't want their local CVS closed down because of the amount of shoplifting that is happening. People just want rule of law, law and order. They want their border secure. They do not want their inflation rates at a 40-year high. But for some reason, a large portion of America still voted Democrat for their leadership in a lot of these blue-run areas. Uh, we'll get into all of it. But again, going into this AP article election takeaways, uh, take two, Congress control on knife's edge. Um Basically, this article kind of uh, delves into Republicans hoping for a wipeout um, and then Democrats racking up some hard fought wins in string districts like Representative Abigail Spanberger's Virginia seat. The sweeping wins many Republicans predicted had yet to materialize on Wednesday. Um, the fate of Democrats narrow holds on the Senate is still unclear. It is as of this recording, 730 p.m. Central Time on November 9th. So we are almost, what, 24 hours out from the polls closing, and we still have no idea on who controls the House, who controls the Senate, because, you know, that's how elections are run in a first world country. Some of the biggest upsets come from, again, Democrat John Fetterman, de defeating Republican Dr. Oz um, for the Pennsylvania Senate seat. Now, this was a seat that was held previously by a Republican, now taken over by John Fetterman. If you guys have been watching the show, if you guys have paid attention at all to the Pennsylvania race or even listened to the debate between Fetterman and Oz, you will see that this man is not competent in the slightest. And it's baffling to me that he got in. But at the same time, I was also reading a story today from the Daily Caller about how the um, candidate who ran against Adam Schiff was a drag queen named maybe a girl who ran on the platform of green energy, racism and LGBTQ rights. Yes, that's a real story. I forgot to bring that article up. Uh, but again, that's just really indicative of where we're at as a country, right? Another thing, too, that I will say right away is I was really hyping up like, oh, abortion and climate change are really at the forefront for a lot of Americans, aren't they? Uh, I will be the first to say that I was actually wrong on that topic. We'll get into this here in a moment. Abortion actually was a very pivotal issue for a lot of Americans, which more than anything made me sad for the state of our country that abortion had that much sway. Keep in mind that whether you are religious or not, abortion at the end of the day is you genuinely killing an innocent child in the womb. A large portion of the country did vote more democratic because they have less access to do that. So that's America in 2022. Uh, now, giving you guys an update, we were really focused in on the Senate races in Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, and again, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, again, a big upset with Fetterman taking that pencil, uh, the, the that Republican seat, switching it Democrat. So a quick live update on the Nevada U.S. Senate election. We currently have Adam Laxalt, that is, who is leading against Catherine Mosto. Um, Seventy-seven percent of the votes are in, so you know, not all the votes are accounted for yet. So this isn't even the final verdict on who won that seat. Uh, but a quick update on Nevada: there, you do have the Re Republican leading 
for now. Um, and again, too, just giving you guys a peek on those exit polls as well. Um, we'll be going through all those wins and losses here in a moment, but just a general idea of uh, how Americans were feeling about the state of our country. And for some reason, you know, still elect the Democrats, but that's beside the point. Um, here's a quick clip from CNN on exit polls last night. Feelings about the way things are going in the U.S. This is a bleak picture from this electorate. Look down here, 39% dissatisfied, 34% are downright angry. That's 73%, three quarters of the electorate uh, tell us they're dissatisfied or angry. Only 5% enthusiastic, 20% satisfied. Okay, so there you guys go. You have the majority of the country very dissatisfied and just straight up angry with the way that things are going under President Biden. But for some reason, we still have people in this country who are voting for Democrats. One of the reasons for that as well is that we saw a large uh, turnout of younger voters, of Gen Z voters who were voting Democrat. And you know what? This might be an unpopular opinion from me, but I genuinely do feel that we need to raise the voting age to 25 years old. I really do, because the average 18 year old is still living in mommy and daddy's basement or they're, you know, off in college drinking and doing drugs blasted out of their mind every single weekend while their parents are paying for their uh, school fees and they're not paying their taxes. They have no idea about how the real world works. They have no idea about how their vote and the leadership they're putting in power is affecting the Americans who are paying taxes and actually, you know, making everything run. So I really am of the firm opinion that we need to raise the voting age because, uh, you know, unlike California, who thinks that we should be lowering it to six. I'm of the opposite opinion, where I think that we have an entire generation of adults who are so, what is the word, infant, infanticized, infantilized? I can't remember off the top of my head there, but you guys know what I'm trying to say here, where basically we have an entire generation that has been so coddled and so babied that what they do depend on the media to tell them what to think, how to feel. Uh, they are living off of their parents, uh, you know, for as long as they can, and they have no idea how the real world works. Uh, so again, going back to those exit polls, you have a lot of Americans very upset. Um, Persian and politics, again, high inflation dominates voters' views in the midterm elections. And uh, let's keep on going here. Big upset with Fetterman and Oz, like we just discussed. Wanted to focus in on this political piece, uh, which is basically highlighting all of the races that are still uncalled as Senate control hangs on two states. And again, that Georgia runoff. Now, uh, Herschel Walker going up against Raphael Warnock. That is going to be a runoff. And for those of you who might not understand what that means, basically, these are the polls as of 12 minutes ago. You have Raphael. Raphael Warnock leading Herschel Walker uh, by just a couple of percentage points here, like point, point one percentage point. Okay. However, in Georgia, you have to get over 50% of the votes to, to actually win your race. So they're going to be going into a runoff race that's going to be happening in December. So just a highlight there because Georgia was one of those races that we were watching. Um, Again, going back to this Politico piece, control of both chambers of Congress is still up for grabs on Wednesday with the Senate coming down to a pair of uncalled toss-up races that appear set to take days 
to resolve. The Senate comes down to two key swing states and maybe a runoff um, again after Fetterman flipped Pennsylvania, giving his party 48 seats. Ron Johnson secured re-election on Wednesday morning, uh, Republican from Wisconsin, giving Democrats 48 seats, Republicans 49, meaning whichever party wins two of the three outstanding contests in Arizona, Georgia. And Nevada will control the Senate. So again, Nevada, I just told you guys, we only have 77% of the votes coming in. Arizona, I have it open up over here. We only have 67% of those votes in. Katie Hobbs currently leading, again, by a very small percentage. Okay, this is a couple thousand votes here that Katie Hobbs is leading by. Um, And again, too. I'm just going to be very frank and honest with you guys. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that Katie Hobbs could even hold a candle to Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake had the energy, the popularity. She was on the ground in Arizona. We didn't even hear from Katie Hobbs at all this entire election cycle because she refused to debate Carrie Lake. And now we have this very slow moving election in Arizona where we have no idea what's going to be happening. And we'll be we'll be touching on Arizona a little bit more in depth here in a moment. But again, just focus in on, again, Arizona, Georgia and Nevada, Georgia. We're not going to know anything until December. Nevada, Republican currently leading, but we still don't have all of those votes in. And Arizona, we have no idea what is currently going on over there. Uh, Also, these types of articles were coming out this morning from Nevada. Election officials say that they have been flooded by thousands of mail-in ballots and that it may take several days to count the votes and upload those results. And uh, going into Arizona, now this comes from the redheaded libertarian on Twitter. She took this at around 3 p.m. Central time. She says, let's check in on Arizona, who has taken four and a half hours to count less than 2,000 votes, and has had 66% reporting all day. She posts a screenshot from 11.18 a.m. They have, um, again, 66% of those votes being counted. Yeah, fast forward to almost 4 p.m., you're seeing basically the exact same numbers. And um, here in live time for you guys are some of those results. This is from the New York Times as of Right now, this very minute, we only have 67% of those votes counted. Same thing for the Senate race, because it wasn't just Carrie Lake we were looking out for. Blake Masters, a Republican running against Democrat Mark Kelly. That is also a very important, again, uh, race for Senate. Sorry, we were actually talking about Senate races with that Politico piece. Uh, I got very excited about the gubernatorial race because, you know, I- I'm excited to see Kerry win this thing. I really am. I want to see Arizona happen. I want them to announce it already. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let's be quite honest that we do not know the results of our elections already. So uh, there's Blake Masters. And why don't we know the the results in Arizona? Because in Florida, pretty sure uh, their their polls closed. They got their ballots counted up. And within a couple of hours, we knew who the, the winners and losers in Florida were. But in Arizona, immediately yesterday morning, the first thing that I saw when I logged into Twitter was Dominion voting machines in Arizona malfunctioning as election day kicks off. At a polling location at the Anthem outlets on Tuesday morning, a poll worker informed a line of Arizonians waiting to cast their vote that their two tabulators were not working properly. We are seeing more reports. Uh, this comes from Yvonne Sanchez, who's a democracy reporter in Arizona. She said that in Maricopa County, again, this was as of 9 a.m. yesterday morning, the very beginning of election day. It happens every two to four years. 
would do this thing where all Americans go to these things called polls. They cast this thing called a vote and then we elect our leader, you know, to lead our republic. But for some reason, we still haven't gotten our election systems figured out. So as of 9 a.m. yesterday, these were some of the first things I was seeing coming out of Arizona and Maricopa County. About 10 percent of polling places are experiencing problems with tabulators. One machine became operative after it was cleaned. Voters can still place their ballots in a slot in a locked container. They will be counted at the downtown tabulation center tonight. So that is what we were seeing out of Arizona. Here's a quick video as well of what some of those poll workers in Maricopa County were confirming. So I pulled my ballot in, but so it didn't, it got misread, but then what was happening? You put it in there. Yeah. And tonight a Republican and a Democrat will sit and go through all of the misread ballots all over the county okay. and count them and it okay. will get counted. Okay, and, okay. Both, and both machines were not working. Yeah, no, nothing's working in okay. the last half hour. Nothing. Thank you. Nothing's working in the past half hour. It's not like we, uh, you know, should have prepared for millions of people to come to the polls across our city, across our state, across our nation. This is just normal. Uh, this was also happening in Scottsdale, Arizona. Again, those machines are down. People saying the voting machines are not working properly. They don't count the ballots. They give it into the machine and it won't take it. It says Miss Red Ballot. I actually had friends in Arizona who were reporting themselves that the ballots that they were given, uh, they weren't properly printed out. And so they had to, uh, you know, call on some of the volunteers that were working the polls and basically say, hey, if I put this ballot, which has been um, printed out very poorly into the machine, is it going to read? Is this going to work properly? There was a lot going on in Arizona, but that wasn't even the only state who was experiencing issues with voting machines. In New Jersey's Mercer County, voting machines were down across that entire county. As voters across Mercer County, New Jersey, head to the polls to cast their ballots on Tuesday, officials have announced that voting machines had gone down due to a countywide system outage. Authorities informed residents that they could still vote via standard ballot. So system-wide outage in New Jersey. We were also seeing some reports of this out of uh, Texas. And... Um, you have Luzerne County in Pennsylvania where a judge had to order the polls to stay open until 10 p.m. because the voting machines over there ran out of paper. While I was doing um, coverage with Charlie Kirk, we had people emailing in. Um, poll workers were telling them in Arizona, yeah, you can't cast your vote, get out of line. And that's why so many political pundits and uh, commentators during election night will say stay in line because legally, if you are in line, and the polls are closed, but you're still waiting there in line. You should be able to cast your vote. But people were reporting uh, via email that uh, election workers and poll workers were telling them to go home and they couldn't cast their vote. So, uh, again, this is why people don't have any faith in our election system, because we are consistently seeing these types of discrepancies. We are consistently seeing uh, these types of malfunctions. Elections are something that happen in this country every couple of years. Why have we not gotten this system right? Why have we not gotten it in place? More importantly, why is it that Florida's elections were handled so beautifully and without they, they went on without a hitch, but the rest of the country had problems for some reason? Also, I would like to note that Katie Hobbs is the secretary of state in Arizona. She's the one directly responsible for counting ballots. Yes, the same Katie Hobbs that is running against Carrie Lake for governor in Arizona. I'm not making any allegations, YouTube. I'm just stating that it's just interesting how all of these things are being laid out and happening. And I think that we can all agree, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, that our election system is flawed and it needs to be fixed. Uh, again, from Greg Price, 
Florida counted 7.5 million ballots in five hours yesterday. As of now, Maricopa County, Arizona has counted just over 1 million and Clark County, Nevada has counted a little bit over 500,000. And both of them are still not going to be done for a while. Greg tweeted this out at 3 p.m. today. It is now 8 p.m. almost. And uh, Maricopa County, I don't believe they, they've finished their counts yet. 67% of the vote in for the gubernatorial race in Arizona. Uh, I believe it's also 67% for the Senate race with Blake Masters. Arizona, what's going on? So a quick update for you guys there. Now, I want to focus in on Florida because we saw big wins out of that state. Huge. If there was really a red wave anywhere in the country, it was in Florida. Absolutely incredible uh, what we saw. We saw DeSantis, Marco Rubio, Anna Paulina win in Florida. Uh, I do want to play a quick clip from you uh, from MSNBC regarding uh, how Ron DeSantis was even able to flip Miami, which was a historically very, very blue county. Listen to this. We just got, I'm told we just got Miami Dade. This is a big one in Florida. Let's take a look at, okay. This, we got the, yeah. So let's put this in some perspective. Miami-Dade County has two and three quarter million people. In 2016, this was a Democratic county by 30 points. Hillary Clinton won this county by 30 points. Miami-Dade is 70 percent Hispanic. It began shifting to the, to the Republicans in 2020. Donald Trump only lost it by seven. And look at this. In the mail-in and early vote, which again tends to be more Democratic-friendly, Marco Rubio, the Republican, is outright leading in Miami-Dade County by seven points over Val Demings, a Democratic challenger. In the gubernatorial race, uh, interestingly, we don't have numbers from uh, Miami-Dade County. There they are. I'm not, they popped up for a second. Was that it? I was, no, I flipped up to Broward to try to reset it to see if it came in. All right, so there you guys go. Just an update on what happened last night. Huge red wave out of Florida with Miami-Dade. Um, again, going blue for the first time in two decades. This is from Fox News. Florida's Miami-Dade County turns red for DeSantis. First GOP governor to win in two decades. So just, you know, another signal of the change over there. And I do have to give it to Ron DeSantis. He has been an incredible leader for Florida. If you do look at the way that uh, people were previously voting in Florida back a couple years ago versus now, uh, you know, all polls point to red. All polls point to Republican. Uh, so we saw big wins out of that state which subsequently divided the Republican Party even further. We'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the show. Let's focus in a little bit more on some of those big wins from last night. Now, out of Ohio, I was extremely excited about this one. J.D. Vance did win that Ohio seat against Tim Ryan. Now, remember that Tim Ryan was getting booed across the state for trying to, you know, say that all these people were murdered on January 6th. We talked about that a couple of shows ago. J.D. Vance, very strong candidate, very America first. Uh, he has won his race and we won that seat in Ohio. So big congratulations, congratulations to J.D. Vance. Another favorite here. Brian Kemp defeats Stacey Abrams in Georgia again. Hopefully we never have to hear from election denying Stacey Abrams anymore because we all know that denying elections, okay, is death to our democracy. 
it's it's a basic it's like basically stabbing democracy in the heart when you deny elections. Okay, Stacey Abrams. Well, you know, it's okay when she does it because she's a Democrat. She's allowed to deny elections all day long. Uh, but if anybody else does it, then you are domestic terrorist number one. Sorry, guys, that's just the rules. But luckily, we won't have to, to listen to her denying elections anymore because she actually did concede to Brian Kemp, surprisingly enough. So I guess uh, two times is a charm or maybe three because uh, Greg Abbott defeated Beto O'Rourke in Texas. Now, I believe this was the third time that Beto lost a race in Texas, which good, good riddance. Get out of here. We don't want your gun grabbing ass here in Texas. We don't want you here. Take your socialism, communism, whatever ism, and just get out of Texas. Just go leave. Go to a different, you need to go to California, Beto, because we don't want you here. And uh, we all know you're a fake Hispanic. So uh, goodbye. Just to highlight as well, how horribly Abrams and Beto lost. Uh, Democrats blew nearly $200 million on their races. Uh, let me see. Abrams, who trailed Georgia Governor Brian Kemp by nine points with 72% of the vote, reported Tuesday night, raised nearly $100 million between her campaign and leadership committee. State filing showed O'Rourke, meanwhile, raised $77 million, spent $72 million at as of October 29th, he trailed Texas Governor Greg Abbott by more than 10 points. And, you know, the best thing, too, about watching the polls as all of the you know votes are being counted and as they're coming in is oftentimes Democrats are immediately leading. Right. So if you're watching uh, the midterms for the first time and you're watching maybe the New York Times and you're watching those votes come in, it looks kind of scary because you're like, oh, my gosh, how is Beto leading? Uh, Abbott, what's going on here? And then, you know, you wait, you see all these votes getting counted, and then Texas pulls through like they always do. Goodbye, Beto. Goodbye, Stacey Abrams. Another big win. Marjorie Taylor Greene did win her re-election. Another election uh, congressional seat that I have my eye on is actually Lauren Boebert. So this is Colorado's third congressional district. 98% of the votes are in, and she is trailing her Democratic counterpart by about 70 votes, 70 votes. OK, so this is a very close race. Uh, Lauren Boebert could potentially lose her seat in Congress to Democrat Adam Frisch. Keep your eye on that one. I don't think as of now it has been declared, but this is a very close race. And as of now, she's trailing behind by a mere 70 votes. Now to some of our big losses from last night. This one was absolutely heartbreaking because I was in Michigan talking to a lot of the voters over there who were very pro-life and they did not want Gretchen Whitmer who locked them down during COVID. Remember that this is the same uh, governor who stopped people from buying seeds during COVID-19 because she said that they were non-essential. She's extremely radical on her views on abortion, which is why the pro-life community really wanted to oust her. Sadly, she did beat Tudor Dixon and she has won that governor's race. And like I said earlier in the show, I will say when I'm wrong and I didn't think that abortion would be as pivotal of a topic in these midterms as it was. Um, but one of the reasons I do believe uh, Whitmer won is because of her stance on abortion. Uh, the Washington Post put this piece out and again, it kind of highlights as well some of those pro-life losses that we did deal with last night. I feel like that's kind of like the backlash of, you know, 
SCOTUS overturning Roe v. Wade. We are now seeing the left push back against this. Abortion rights advocates score major midterm victories across the U.S. Voters across the country delivered a series of decisive victories for abortion rights on Tuesday in the first nationwide election since the Supreme Court again overturned Roe v. Wade. The biggest surprise comes from Kentucky, where an anti-abortion amendment was defeated, clearing a potential path for abortion access to be restored in the state with... Um, the most restrictive bans. And again, if we look at Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer reelected in part by what the Washington Post says is presenting herself as a champion of abortion rights. Voters approved a ballot initiative that will enshrine the right to abortion in the state constitution, preventing a 1931 abortion ban from taking effect. And then in North Carolina, Republicans failed to win a veto-proof legislative supermajority, ensuring that Democratic Governor Roy Cooper will continue to have the power to block abortion restrictions in a state that has become a critical access point for people seeking abortions across the Southeast. So abortion was a pretty big topic. I was wrong on that one. And again, sadly, I didn't want to be wrong on it because I didn't want to think that our country really was that passionate about murdering innocent babies in the womb, but that's where we're at. So, okay. That was one of the bigger losses. Another one was Lee Zeldin. He did lose that governor race to Kathy Hochul, which was really sad for me to see. I've been doing a lot of reporting in New York. I've seen the crime. I've seen the lawlessness, the open drug use, the trash on the streets, the homelessness. I've listened to the demoralized citizens who are upset with how much their city has degraded. And unfortunately, they could not pull through and elect Zeldin as their new governor, Hoshul Pokol. Sorry, I always say her name wrong. Still the governor of New York. Sadly, yesterday she said she is going to be fixing New York first thing tomorrow because she realized that New Yorkers were about to oust her uh, because of how horrific she has been on crime. So sad to see Lee Zeldin go, but it's not all bad in New York. It's not all bad. Republicans did flip four congressional seats in New York. And uh, New York Times basically says that this is due to redistricting processes that were intended to help Democrats, but instead helped Republicans make significant gains. Again, here are some of the results from all of these congressional seats in New York. We're seeing a lot of Republicans take hold over there. Uh, Mike Cernovich actually pointed out that Lee Zeldin outperformed and pulled up candidates. If those New York seats go the way they are trending, Zeldin and his campaign staff made that happen. Hell of a campaign and impossible odds, hard fought, and maybe we'll see bearing fruits. He's a Alluding to Lee Zeldin being a potential presidential candidate. We will see. Um, and again, too, uh, Cernovich does talk about Zeldin pulling up other candidates. One of the concerns for the runoff race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock in Georgia is that Walker was... Uh, he was also kind of pulled up and his popularity was bolstered by Brian Kemp. And also everyone's disdain for Stacey Abrams. Remember that oftentimes voters will just straight up vote R down the line or D down the line. So a lot of people speculating that maybe it was uh, Brian Kemp's popularity that also bolstered Her Herschel Walker. So we will see what happens in regard to that Senate seat. Uh, stay tuned for that, guys, because we're not going to know that one for another month. A little bit of the demographics as well of who voted for who. 
from Brad Wilcox on Twitter. The Republican Party is the party of the married and increasingly unmarried men. The Democratic Party is the party of unmarried women. This gender marriage story will rise in importance as share of unmarried climbs. Uh, married men broke Republican by 20 points. Married women broke Republican by 14 points. Unmarried men broke Republican by 7 points. But unmarried women, and this is the key factor here, my friends, broke Democrat by a whopping 37 points. So why are we seeing a lot of support for those Democrats? Because all of those unmarried single women who are upset and, uh, you know, want to be able to live like a man because feminism lied to them and told them that they need to work for a living and be able to murder their children and get an abortion to live a sad, unfulfilling life in a cubicle for the next 50 years. Those are the women who are voting Democrats into office. I've said this before and I'll say it again. It may be one of my most controversial takes, but if I had to give up my vote so that 100 liberal dumb women couldn't vote, I would do it. I really would. I would give up my one well-founded vote, my one common sense vote, so that a hundred crazy liberal women could not vote psychopaths like John Fetterman into power. By the way, you had Oprah Winfrey endorsing John Fetterman over Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz previously worked with Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know, when he was in the entertainment business. And um, that connection aside, Oprah is just such a fraud right? She doesn't care about the people. She did. She would not have voted for Fetterman. By the way, she has ties to uh, Harvey Weinstein, who we all know is a big proponent of women, right? Uh, so just to give you guys an idea of, um, again, celebrities, the power that they do have in a lot of these elections, um, a lot of people will try to say, oh, you know, celebrities really don't hold any weight. Nobody cares what they have to say. But when push comes to shove, like there are certain people in the United States of America who are listening to what Oprah Winfrey or what The View is saying or what this celebrity or that celebrity is saying about, you know, certain political issues. And then they're voting based on what whatever their their favorite person is saying. Another issue as to why we were seeing um, so many contested and close races was because of the Libertarian Party. Now, I don't want to be a hater of the Libertarian Party because there was a period of my life where I was like, yeah, libertarianism seems cool. I like it. Like, everyone's just chilling. Like, we're doing what we do. Having watched my first midterm election and seeing the reality of the Libertarian Party, they're not my favorite. I'm not going to lie. So what you're looking at here on screen is John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz. Now, Eric Gerhardt of the Libertarian Party brought in 66,000 votes. Dr. Oz lost to John Fetterman by a little bit over 40,000. So do you think that those 66,000 votes would have been better placed to maybe a Republican candidate? Or do you think that it's a good thing that we wasted 66,000 votes on the Libertarian here who had no chance in this race? Going to be, just let me know in the comments what you think. Directly related to the runoff that we're seeing in Georgia as well. Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker. We had the Libertarian Chase Oliver, 76,000 votes. Herschel Walker, um, well, Raphael Warnock leading Herschel Walker by, what is this? Am I looking at this 2,000 votes? I can't do fast math, guys. That's why I'm in media. But um, again, what you're seeing here in live time is the Libertarian Party just making sure that they're taking votes away from, uh, you know, us potentially actually getting a positive Republican in office. But whatever, that's that. Um, 
Anomaly points out as well that Rand Paul would have served as the chair on the Senate Health Panel if Republicans would have won. And uh, he, again, highlights that the libertarian Chase Oliver really made sure that uh, he took away as many votes as possible. Herschel Walker, you know, maybe he could have gotten even half of these votes or 50,000 of these 80,000 votes, and that would have bolstered him ahead of Raphael Warnock. Maybe he would have gotten all 80,000. We don't know. Uh, but good job to the Libertarian Party there. Another very interesting thing, too, I'm going to call out Republicans now, because, uh, again, I do want to highlight all angles of election night here. In Alaska's first congressional district, you had two Republicans running against each other. They split the vote and the Democrat won that seat. Well, I guess we only have 80 percent of the votes in, but the Democrat leading by uh, over 50,000 votes. Well, a little bit under 50,000 votes. Sorry, guys. I told you I'm bad at math. Uh, but yeah, good job to Republicans in Alaska's first congressional district. What? Why did you do this? <laughs> what was the reason for this? Uh, maybe I'm too new to political analysis, so I don't properly understand how all of this works. But why? What what was the reason for this? Let me know down below what you think. Let's keep going. Now, we had a lot of uh, political commentators give their two cents on why they thought we didn't see a red wave last night. Again, I am just reading off opinions here to the YouTube censor that loves to monitor my account and take down my videos. Let's just maybe listen to a different viewpoint for a minute before you click delete on my video, okay? John Hayward says, fraud doesn't explain nationwide results. Uh, better to consider that Democrats took advantage of the pandemic to loosen voter rules to an absolutely insane degree. And they're absolute masters at harvesting what we might politely refer to as the indifferent voter. What's the point of point of talking about momentum, late breaking events, or even how candidates perform at debates when a huge chunk of the vote is bent by mail before the debates even happen? Robotic party line voters and harvesting matter more than campaign skill. So a lot of commentators basically highlighting how Republicans do need to be focused in on mail-in ballots and um, targeting the voters who would vote via mail-in ballot because this is apparently our election system now. And until we fix it, we are going to keep losing. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this yet. I'm just kind of giving you guys all the angles here. Jack Posobiec tweets out as well. Dems learn to mass harvest vote by mail in every Rust Belt state and highly effective youth vote operations. And they are never going to turn it off. Either GOP admits this and puts big money behind it, or we'll have more uneven elections like this. Now, to give you again an example of Florida's elections versus the rest of the United States, Florida banned mass mail-in ballots, banned ballot harvesting, requires voter ID, and Governor Ron DeSantis created an election police force Florida also just had historic win margins across the state for Republicans. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy how when you enact rules and laws and systems on election day to make election day run smoother and not have to turn into election week, it's kind of crazy how if you have a leader who is strong enough to actually enact this and willing to, um, you know, lead kind of crazy how that all works out right now after last night we are seeing a huge divide right now one i heard from multiple sources and also from uh multiple media sources too that donald trump was not very happy with a lot of the results last night and 
Ron DeSantis was gaining a lot of traction. People were very happy with how Ron DeSantis performed. And now that the 2022 midterms are over, everybody is looking to 2024. Per Mediate, and I don't know why this article is glitching, Fox News pundit declares this is an absolute disaster for the Republican Party as midterm results roll in. Republicans hope for that red wave. Uh, however, the party seemed poised to barely retake the House while failing to recapture the Senate. And again, I, this all says failing. We haven't done it yet, but it actually has not been decided as of now. Um, the House seats, the Senate seats, it's still uh, very much up in the air. Uh, so it basically goes on to talk about how. I can't even read this article because it's glitching so much. So let me just go over to this article here from Forbes, uh, which basically says Trump back candidates have mixed showing in midterms and Trump is reportedly furious. Uh, like I said, many reports yesterday coming out of how Donald Trump was not happy with the way that the results happened. Uh, some Republicans are already pointing the finger at former President Donald Trump for the party's worse than expected showing in Tuesday's midterm elections, as the former president's preferred candidates have had a mixed showing so far just a few days before Trump is likely set to announce his 2024 candidacy. I can't remember if I told you guys or not, but he is planning to announce next Tuesday. He says he has a very special announcement um, that he is going to be sharing with everybody at Mar-a-Lago next Tuesday. Many people speculating that is going to be his Announcement that he's going to be running for president, basically. And um, after last night, a lot of Republicans are saying he shouldn't. He's not the strong candidate that the GOP should not nominate him. Matt Walsh making the point the Republican Party outside of Florida has no message, no discipline, no leadership, no courage to confront the important issues head on. That's why they're losing to literally brain dead damaged or brain damaged candidates. We need a total overhaul. By the way, my conspiracy on Fetterman is that um, Democrats push to have him in office so that he could make Joe Biden look competent. <laughs> oh, man. We are such a laughingstock in this country. We really are. It's uh, genuinely sad. Anyway, you have a lot of division happening right now in the right wing as Donald Trump is set to announce his run for president after last night's performance for a lot of those Trump-backed candidates. I believe that the majority of candidates, like nine out of 10 of the Trump-endorsed candidates, did win their races. Um a lot of people in the right wing, too, saying that we should be looking at Kevin McCarthy and Mitch uh, McConnell as to why the GOP performed so poorly. Many people saying, hey, you know, I've looked at the GOP from the inside. It's a lot of rhinos that refuse to put the financial backing behind candidates who are MAGA. And it's basically these rhino Republicans that are ruining the elections for a lot of these great candidates. Many other people bringing up uh, the, I guess, theory of, how did they phrase it? Candidates, um, just basically like how good the candidates that we're putting forward are, right? A lot of people were saying that Dr. Oz was not a strong candidate, and that's also a reason why we lost this race. So many speculations, many things happening, but point blank, the Republican Party, very divided right now. Donald Trump uh, does not look like he's doing too great. Candace Owens actually even came out today against Donald Trump. Um, she was basically saying that um, he was rude to her, that there was a lot of drama. Mike Cernovich said that's why he stayed away from uh, a lot of the, you know, MAGA crowd and the conservative crowd, because it's a lot of drama behind the scenes. So 
the entire entire Daily Wire team uh, does not seem to be in Trump's corner. They seem to be leading more towards DeSantis. And then you have a lot of other political pundits saying that, no, Trump deserves his second term in office. Let him have that. Uh, we'll see what happens. We've seen Trump already, you know, throwing digs at Ron DeSantis. We will see. We will see. All I'll say is that Ron DeSantis did show up and show out, and he has been an incredible leader for Florida. I think that he could make a good presidential candidate. I don't agree with the way that Donald Trump ha handled COVID, to be quite honest with you. You know, he did push lockdowns. He did push Operation Warp Speed. I didn't agree with that. And I also feel that behind the scenes, Donald Trump is not handling his losses well. Um, he Even the fact that he came after Ron DeSantis the way that he did last week, I thought was very immature. And he did this right before the midterms. Why are you going after Governor Ron DeSantis, who's on your own side, you, you know, the political side of the party that you align with? Why are you making digs at him a couple days before the midterms? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, again, uh, you know, I've always told you guys this. I'm not one of those people that worships Donald Trump and think that he thinks that he's the second coming of Christ. I think that he has his own issues. I do think he would be a good candidate. I do think he has a lot of popularity behind him. However, it does seem like Ron DeSantis is very strong and could be a good opponent. Either way, it's going to be very interesting to see if, you know, the two of them debate. And I think that it's good that we have such strong candidates on our side, because whether it is Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump that go up and lead the party, who are they going to be, uh, you know, competing with? Who are they going to be racing against? Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden? I don't know. Either way, Matt Walsh is right. Republicans do need to get control of the messaging. Uh, we do need to reach out to the younger voters and be better about that. We do need more energy on our side. We do need to start capitalizing more on a lot of these issues that are affecting everyday Americans. Remember that Lindsey Graham a couple months ago was like, yeah, let's just do a federal ban on abortion. Or I think it was at 15 weeks. Um, but either way, I thought that that was bad messaging. I talked about this on the show as well because I was like, okay, Roe v. Wade was overturned. We're allowing the states to make individual decision. Why is Lindsey Graham coming forward now and making this uh, like a you know political point for Republicans, to be quite honest with you? Like at the end of the day, just being very honest with you guys, my own politics aside, abortion is a topic that has and clearly did influence these elections. And Republicans need to be mindful of these things when they're running. They should have been focused in solely on inflation on crime, on making things better. And I do think that Lindsey Graham bringing up that uh, potential abortion ban did throw us off and cause us to lose some seats in um, the Senate and in the House. So that's my my take on it. I'm kind of just spitballing here, uh, you know, thinking in live time. We will see what happens in the next coming months. And, um, you know, if you ask me right now if I would rather have DeSantis or Trump running for president, I couldn't even tell you. I really don't know. I'd have to really do a deeper dive on each candidate. But so far from what I've seen on Donald Trump's side, it hasn't been my favorite. It hasn't been my favorite. But again, this is the candidate they're running against. So maybe we have some hope. You know, I just I just found it interesting that uh, Biden's being a popular, Biden's being an extremist. Yeah, go home, everybody. Please stop asking me questions. I didn't get my uh, my IV drip today. So uh, everyone, please go home. President of the United States, everybody. Anyways, uh, that's all I got for you guys before we go. Oh, one more thing. 
This is absolutely hilarious. Uh, from the New York Post last night, Ukraine nervously watching U.S. midterms as military aid hangs in the balance. This whole article is such a joke. So basically goes on to talk about how Ukrainian officials were watching our midterms very closely because they were concerned that if Republicans got into office, they wouldn't be able to get as much money. They wouldn't be able to get billions of dollars from the American taxpayer. And you know what, too? I'm going to call out Kevin McCarthy here because he's actually quoted in this article, and I just want to highlight the rhinos in office, the soft Republicans who continue to gain power and then not utilize it. We see this so many times. Kevin McCarthy, one of those people, he says, I'm very supportive of Ukraine. McCarthy said in an interview with CNN on Monday, I think there has to be accountability going forward and you always need not a blank check, but make sure the resources are going to where it's needed and make sure Congress and the Senate have the ability to debate it openly. No, this is not the type of response that I want to see from somebody who could potentially be replacing Nancy Pelosi. No, I want somebody who's going to be very strong on these issues and say the American taxpayers have already sent billions of dollars to Ukraine. And guess what? We've sent millions in... um. Yeah, not only financial aid, but we've sent a weaponry over there that has, has ended up on the black market. We remember that CBS put out that documentary basically saying like, hey, um, we don't know where the money in Ukraine is going to. And then they deleted it. Yeah. We need stronger leaders. Kevin McCarthy does not seem to be that. Uh, before we go, we will check in one more time on how the Arizona uh, Senate election is going. Okay, we now have 70% of those votes in. Mark Kelly still leading Blake Masters. Let's take a peek at uh, Carrie Lake and see how she's doing. Do I still have that up? Nope, not on that computer. Uh, Carrie Lake, again, 70% of the votes in. She's still trailing behind Katie Hobbs by... Um, 13,000 votes. I'm not concerned about it. A lot of energy was coming out of Arizona. I'm not worried for Carrie. I'm a little bit worried for Masters. Um, but here's hoping. Keep your eye on Georgia. Keep your eye on Arizona. Keep your eye on Nevada. Those are going to be the three races to watch as, again, election night turns into election week and election month at this point with this runoff race that's going to be happening. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Again, thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, for visiting my website, SAS's official com. Thank you guys for liking and subscribing. Big announcement. We reached 100,000 subscribers here on YouTube today. I just want to personally thank each and every single one of you for making that happen. I really appreciate you guys for watching and sharing my work. Thank you for helping me get to this point. Thank you for always supporting me. And uh, funny enough for us, we are not eligible for that uh, YouTube 100K subscriber plaque because um, one of the qualifications is that you can't have a strike in over a year. And we just got one last week because we we're spreading election information and medical and misinformation on this channel. So I guess we're not getting that, but that's okay, guys. 100K strong. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Big shout out to our sponsor, Old Country Soap. Remember, use coupon code SAV, oldcountrysoap.com. I promise you this soap, A1, incredible. Going to be a great Christmas gift for anybody on your list. I'll also check out my subscribe star link is down below. I will post all the research for this show. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you guys next time.